All right, good humans of the internet. I believe I'm live, and I believe we still have an internet that's at least semi-functioning, although Netflix has been running pretty slow, and our internet around here has been been pretty wacky, even though we've got, uh, you know, like the highest level possible business internet that you can have. Um, all right, there's obviously a ton to talk about. Um, as you can see, I'm doing this today from my computer, so I'm, I'm in the studio here. We've got the fancy lights going on, uh, and I'm, I'm in the studio, but I'm doing my computer because obviously right now we're just trying to limit the amount of people that are in the house. In my house, and our offices are here, and we have people coming and going all the time. Obviously not the best time to be doing that, perhaps the worst time to be doing that. Um, so our director, Matt, is working remotely today. We just actually hired uh, a new associate producer today, actually started today. We hired him about a month ago. Uh, welcome aboard, Michael, uh, who is working remotely, and Helen and Alexis and David and everyone else, and Talia. Uh, everyone's working remotely today, obviously. So I'm just doing this with the, with the webcam. Uh, okay, so before I do anything else, if for those of you that are following me on social media, uh, you know that I adopted uh, a new dog, we adopted uh, a new dog a couple of days ago. I'm sure most of you know that uh, our previous dog, Emma, passed away last month. Uh, it's about five weeks ago now. Um, she lived to 16, had an absolutely wonderful life. We weren't ready to get a new dog, um, but then, and also I was gonna be on tour, which now the tour is very up in the air, obviously, because of all this, everything's up in the air. Anyway, um, we weren't going to get a new dog because tour and just we wanted to take a little break and like get life in order and we're working on some other things and blah, blah, blah. And also you just need some time, I think, between these things. But anyway, a few days ago, I saw that they were closing all the shelters in Los Angeles and I ran to our local shelter and our local shelter here is a non-kill shelter. It's pretty small. They're really wonderful. Um, and they had just rescued six dogs that were going to be put down that day. And they had arrived 20 minutes before I walked in. I basically had to like fight my way in because they weren't even letting people in and blah, blah, blah. Um, and I saw this one dog in the back and I was like, oh my God, what's the deal? And he was about to be put down. So I want to introduce you all. Clyde, Clyde, come on in, man. Clyde, let's go. Let's go. First time in the studio, buddy. What's up, man? So this is Clyde, everybody. Clyde is one year old. He is extremely excited. Clyde. This is the studio. First time in a studio. Um, so I know you want to see Clyde, not me now. So there's Clyde. Uh, I'll just tell you Clyde's story real quick. And then I'll show you more Clyde and then we'll take your questions and a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, so Clyde's one year, one year old. He was found in Riverside, California. He actually had, uh, he was with a family, at least for a portion, although they found him on the street because he is house trained and uh, Clyde don't eat any of the equipment please we're still working on some of that stuff uh, no chewing on wires these are serious things we got here um, <laughs> uh, he's house trained he knows how to sit and all that um, but they found him on the street and he had been abandoned he's he's pretty thin um, so we're gonna we're gonna fatten him up a little bit um, and and he's got a, uh, a scar when he comes back over I'll show you he's got a really intense scar right in the middle of his head and like two other tiny ones over here almost like a cigarette scar. And I can see he's a little skittish around loud noises. So I have a feeling he was probably, it looks like, I don't know if it was a cigarette scar or whatever, but like, I think he's he's lived through some stuff. Clyde, get in here. Clyde, what you doing? What you doing? There we go. Um, so you can see the scar right there. 
anyway, he is extremely happy, and we're thrilled, obviously, that we could we could save a pup. And uh, and I you know I know a bunch of you actually. I, I tweeted something out about this, and a whole bunch of you guys have been you know fostering or adopting cats and dogs and rabbits and all kinds of stuff, which is which is just great um, because you know there's a human cost here, there's an animal cost. These people working at the shelters are busting their ass, and they're mostly volunteers. Uh, so we're gonna make a nice donation over there. And uh, yeah, so we've got a new member of the family, and also a whole many of you have noticed he looks bizarrely like Emma. Um, yeah, which is a total coincidence. So I think he's some sort of pit, maybe lab, the Senji or red healer, they call him Australian kettle dog mix. Um, but he's, uh, he's just great. And whoa, where are you going, man? And, uh, and his balls just got snipped. So they're shriveling up as we speak. And, uh, and anyway, it's, it's a crazy time right now. Like at, right, like in the midst of all of this, uh, craziness, which obviously we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, that was the other thing that just kind of pushed me to do this. I was like, these dogs are, these dogs are going to die. Um, you know, these, these shelters are overloaded and everything else. And, uh, and here we are. So, uh, we're expanding a little bit around here at the Ruben report. Hey, Clyde, what's going on? Yeah, there we go. There we go. You want to show them your good teeth? It's got the most beautiful white teeth I've ever seen. You should be in a commercial. Um, okay. So Clyde's going to hang out there. Oh, by the way, I know it's going to show up backwards because these, these webcams are a little bizarre, but we have, uh, the first hard copies of my book. Uh, don't burn this book thinking for yourself in an age of unreason, which as of a few days ago, uh, so our, our publisher penguin random house, which is really the, the big boy in the space. Um, you know, they're delaying a lot of books, they're canceling some stuff. So we had a massive call with all the top people and the publicists and the publisher and the blah, 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 and everybody. Um, and we are not delaying my book. If anything, I was trying to push it out early because so many of you guys are asking, you know, how do I, uh, I want a book to read or I just want something new to do. So I tried to get it earlier. We can't do it earlier, um, but it will be out on April 28th, uh, come hell or high water. And uh, we also got some great news, which is a little bittersweet at the moment, which is that we're going to be uh, placed. The book is going to be placed at the front table of all the Barnes and Noble, which is awesome. Except we just don't know if any of the stores are going to be open. So anyway, it's like it's like we're all dealing with all this like conflicting, like inspiring stuff, and then sort of crazy stuff. All right, Clyde, I'll see you later. All right, Clyde's out of here. It's just us guys. Um, anyway, if you want to uh, if you want to pre-order the book, uh, you can go to don'tburnthisbook.com. And, uh, and you know, if, if for anyone, I wasn't going to do this, but, um, we're all trapped at home, right? So for anyone that buys the book during this live stream while I'm live, uh, we'll send you a book plate. I'll sign it and send it to you. All you have to do is forward your uh, receipt. So you can buy it at Amazon or Barnes and Noble.com or, or your local book retailer, whatever it is. Um, if you buy the book during this thing, uh, during this live stream, uh, I'll sign a book plate for you. We'll send that out to you. You can slap it on the book. And uh, and there you go. Um, anyway, so th th this is crazy, right? We are we are crazy. I am here in Los Angeles. We're basically under lockdown, right? Like you're really not allowed to leave uh, your house. You know, you can take a walk and you can walk your dog. And by the way, <laughs> having a having a new young pup after having a 16 year old dog, you know, with cancer and arthritis and everything else. The girl, I mean, this guy, he is a freaking speed demon. But it's been nice actually just taking some walks because at least from six feet away, you can see your neighbors and everyone's kind of going through the same thing. And we're all kind of looking at each other, you know, is there anything I can do to help? Um, you know, it's just, it's just, everyone's got this kind of dazed look in their eyes. Like I was at the supermarket 
market a couple of days ago. You know, we've been we've been pretty good around here about preparing in advance, and we got a lot of a lot of canned stuff and box stuff, and we froze some stuff and got an extra freezer. And even though it's L.A. and I have a very small property along the along the side of the house, like two years ago, one weekend we just built some planters um, and we're planting tomatoes and cucumbers and some lettuce and stuff like that. And it's like all of these things seem particularly valuable right now, right? Like it's like we've all suddenly become preppers, you know, like all the people that the, that the media and everybody mocked all this time um, are starting to be a little bit ahead of the curve. Um, and I'm actually noticing that online just from some of the, the accounts that I thought of as more fringe accounts. Uh, fringe accounts are suddenly feeling a little more ahead of the curve and a little more relevant. I'm also noticing like a certain amount of people that I thought were really relevant you know, like two years ago, just if, if you're just fighting over the same old political nonsense right now, like how irrelevant is that? Utterly irrelevant. Like there is a new paradigm uh, emerging right now and we, we all can see it. And if you're out there screaming, oh, all the Democrats this or all the Republicans this, or just looking at everything in that old lens as we are in truly uncharted uh, territory here, I'm just not that interested in you. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm pretty good. You know, I try to follow people on social media of all walks of life and all different political persuasions and people that I agree with and disagree with and all that. And just in the last couple of days, I actually did have to unfollow a couple accounts that are just bashing us with the same old partisan politics. And I would actually recommend that you do the same, um, Clyde making a return. Oh, I thought Clyde was coming back. Um, ah, I'm being told that we're a little we're a little blurry and pixelated right now. You know, our you know, I think the internet right now, and maybe particularly in Los Angeles, because we're one of the places under this kind of full quarantine, um, maybe our, our internet is just out of whack. We could do a speed check. Maybe it's because of Clyde. Clyde, you moving too fast? He returned. Um, you know what? If I it, I'll try not to move the camera for a little bit and I'll try not to talk with my hands too much. That's a little hard for me. Um, because maybe that'll allow this thing to reset, but, uh, but I'm sorry about the quality. I think we're all dealing with some, some weird stuff right now. Um, anyway, I was saying, I, I actually did unfollow a couple accounts. Um, uh, one of them, even someone that's been on the show, just cause if you're just putting out the same old stuff and you're just trying to get everybody to fight right now, like that's not what this is about. <laughs> we're in, we're in a time for, we're in a time for lovers, not for fighters right now, you know? Um, you know, if you, if you check my Twitter, actually, um, you know, I, I sent out a couple of tweets this morning. Like, if you're trying to look for a job, let's let's try to help each other. If you've got a job, uh, you know, let's try to help each other. What what can we do to help each other right now? Uh, I think is key. My uh, my grandmother-in-law is up in Jersey, um, and we had ordered her a whole bunch of stuff on Amazon and uh, and some other places to you know food and supplies and things like a week and a half ago. And she didn't tell us that they didn't arrive. And she was really running low on stuff yesterday. And then my my good buddy, John, who's been my best friend since I'm four years old, I met him the first day. I remember meeting him the first day of kindergarten in 1981 or 1980, maybe. Um, yeah, probably 80. Um, he and his girlfriend, uh, he's in Jersey, and he took a drive and he dropped off stuff for my grandmother-in-law, left it outside the house. They, they got to wave through the window. And that was it. I mean, what what a crazy time. But I but I think there's an opportunity here for this to to bring out the best in all of us. And I'm really trying. I'm trying not to get into the fights. I'm trying to not overload everybody. You know, one of the things that I think put the the IDW, the intellectual dark web, on the map over the last couple of years is that we, it was very obvious to a certain amount of 
us. I think most of you guys that watch this or that listen to this, it was pretty obvious to you that our sense-making ability in this country was really breaking down. And it was breaking down at so many levels, right? Like politicians weren't really making sense or talking about the right issues. The media and CNN and the New York Times and these, these trusted sources were all kind of breaking down. And then a couple voices, uh, you know, came out of nowhere. I would say most, most specifically Jordan Peterson was like the, the pinnacle of it. Um, <clears throat> but Sam Harris and, and a whole bunch of other people and that really were completely diverse politically. I always find it funny, you know, people will say, oh, that whole IDW crew, whatever it is, it's like you guys, you, you're all, uh, you all think the same things. And it's like literally Sam Harris and Ben Shapiro think the opposite on virtually everything, right? From taxes to religion to pretty opposite. And I, I happen to, to like them both. Anyway, um, I think why that emerged and why you guys that watch these things on YouTube and listen to podcasts and everything else, why you guys were ahead of the game on this was because while they were out there, the mainstream media was just out there not making sense, having the same old fights, not addressing the real issues, buying into identity politics and all thing, you guys were, were finding something that was much more real. And I, I hear that from people all the time. Actually, the other day I was, uh, I was at our local liquor store here and they're not, you can't go in anymore. You have to place an order and then they email you when your order is ready and then you can go and they're letting in literally one person at a time. So there's a massive line outside and uh, I'm waiting online and this guy walks out and he's got two big jugs of whiskey and he looks at me and he goes, Dave, keep doing what you're doing, man. We need you. And then all these other people looked at me like I'm like, I'm, I don't know what I am, like I'm a doctor or something I'm like, no, 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 guys, just, just Babylon for a living. Um, hey, how you doing? Um, so... So yeah, we're we're in weird times, and I and I'm really going to try to to help unite people right now. I am not going to pretend that I have all the answers because I don't. And anyone pretending that they have all the answers and they know exactly what's going to happen with the coronavirus and they know exactly how it's going to transmit or they know exactly what the government should do or they know the exact thing uh, related to timing or 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 the economic fallout or any of those things. Hey hey hey! You can't eat chapstick. <laughs> We're working on uh, we're working on some behavior stuff. So he lived on the streets for a while. So you know he's a he's a scrapper. This guy. Um, anyway, so I'm I'm really going to try to do my best to uh, to not add to the madness right now and make a little sense of this. Um, by the way, speaking of that, um, one thing that I think has actually been really cool is that I think what what is happening on the internet right now is that I, it's becoming very obvious um, something that I've been talking about for quite some time, like that, that small is the new big, that local communities are the new big, that you should care much more what happens in your local community than what's happening, you know, at the national level. Now, not, not completely, but think about it. You have much more control about what your local community and what the people on your street are doing and all of that. And especially at a time like this, when we're all trapped in our houses, it's good to know your neighbors. You know what I mean? Like I've actually been making a point and it's a lot easier when you have a dog of saying hello to neighbors I try to do it in general, but like saying hello to neighbors. And I, I traded my phone number with a, an older woman yesterday if she needed anything. And uh, she's got she's actually got a, an older dog that she thinks she may have to put down in the midst of this, which is which is horrific, of course. Um, but I really do think that is going to be the new big, which is really why I started Locals. And we've built out something really nice at the Rubin Report community. So I would welcome all of you guys to jump over there and see what we're doing. Yesterday, we did a movie afternoon. It's the second one we did. Last Sunday, we watched the movie Contact, and then we did a big group 
Zoom together, uh, as many people as can get in there. And we, we see everybody at once and we all talk about it and everything. And it's really fun and cool. And there's no trolls and bots because it does cost a couple of bucks to get in, which I just have to do because it keeps out all of the all of the haters and all that nonsense. And I want things to feel secure. That has nothing to do with free speech, right? Because it's like, I believe in free speech on the street, but I don't welcome everybody into my house to tell me that I'm a dick, um, except on Twitter. Um, Anyway, we did that. And then yesterday we watched Idiocracy and we did a big group chat and there were people, there was a, a lovely woman who's a new immigrant to America or she's waiting for her green card now, but she's been here for a while uh, from Iran. We were chatting with uh, Lucia in Argentina, who was just wonderful young, young lady in Argentina who was telling us how she's like, boy, you Americans, I'm seeing you guys all freak out about not having toilet paper and and uh, paper towels and whatever, but it's being restocked and you should live here where it's always much harder to get. And putting a little stuff into perspective from Americans, but talk to people in Canada and, and just all over America, obviously. And we're having just like a great communication thing. I think one thing we're gonna do, we're gonna try to do it maybe one night this week, uh, is like a dinner with Dave kind of thing. So we're gonna post a recipe, probably something very simple like a spaghetti and meatballs or meat sauce kind of thing that anyone can do and crack open a jar of tomato sauce if you don't wanna, you know, cook too much or whatever, you don't have the exact right supplies. And then we'll just set a computer at the table and we'll have some wine together and and uh, do it over Zoom, which by the way, I hope one of the things you guys are doing right now in this craziness is, um, is trying to connect with family uh, as they're dealing with all this too. So we did, we did a dinner on Friday night here uh, with my parents and my, my sister and her family are now at my folks in the suburbs. They wanted to get out of New York City, which I can only imagine how tense it would be in New York City right now. And if you're in big buildings with elevators and all these people you don't know and everything else, like the ability to stay clean and, and everything. Um, so we just sat computer at their table, computer at our table, and we had a nice dinner together. We did it with my with my brother and his family in the burbs a couple of days ago. We did it with, uh, with David's grandma and his family. Um, so try to keep connecting with people. I know I'm not telling you anything thing that's you know rocket science here guys but i think i think the important thing is you know as we for now if we can't get together in face-to-face in -face meetings uh we've got to figure out a way to still have the human connection that can't just be done by typing like this like it just can't be done like that and i think we really do need it and i think it also it's it kind of kind of humanizes it and it kind of uh you know people have different concerns right my my grandmother-in-law is 85 uh, my mom, well, my mom doesn't like when I say her age, but <laughs> my dad, um, but you know, everyone's got different, different concerns right now. Um, and, uh, we need, we really need to be there for each other. And I, and that's the other reason why I think eliminating some of the really negative voices or the really partisan voices on social media is really good right now, because it's an old game. Nobody wants to play that game right now. We get this stuff out. And that's why even right now with this, with this stimulus package that's being held up by the debt. Democrats right now, like regardless of what you think about the package specifically, and and it seems like a pretty solid package to me, and we've got to make something done. But the idea that even right now, regardless if you're on the left or the right, you're a Democrat, Republican, doesn't matter, that Congress can't just put down the bullshit for one second and make something happen. It's almost like, it's almost like they really are dinosaurs and they're all in the tar pits right now. Like they're slowly sinking. And their, their ideas are old. The, the games that they play are old. We all know extinction is coming. And what they're doing, instead of maybe, you know, trying to get out of the tar pits, right? Trying to grab a branch and pull somebody out with them. It's like, they're just like, come on, guys, let's just all sink together. And it's really, really uh, terrible. And, and, you know, 
there's a couple interesting things on on the political side of this, which is that as we watch everybody fight about all oh, what the answers are for this and that and the other thing, it's like what my I tweeted this yesterday, but my my personal belief at the moment is well, first off, we will get through this, guys. I, I know it seems crazy and it's and it's alone and and you know I've really one of the things I've really been thinking about uh, is for those of you that that live alone. Um, you know, I, I've got David here and we've got Emma and we've had our employees coming and going, which obviously is, is getting less and less now. Clyde. What? Clyde. What? Oh, Clyde. <laughs> Come on, Clyde. Okay. Uh, um, but, you, you know, so, so we've had, you know, I have people here um, and I've been thinking a lot about just people that, that live alone. You know, if you, if you happen to be single, maybe you just broke up with somebody, maybe you're not with somebody, maybe you're somebody, maybe your you're, uh, significant other was across the country and now can't get here or, or whatever it may be. And of course, I know there are many, many people that, that love being solo and there's really nice things to it, you know, if you have a nice weekend alone. But anyway, if, if there's anything I can do to, to help the connection with you guys, I really want to do it. Um, I tweeted out this morning this thing about jobs, if you've got a job or you need a job, and I really want to keep fostering that, and that's what we're trying to build uh, over at Rubin Report, help people connect with each other and everything else. Um, so again, you can go to RubenReport.com. There's an iOS app, Google Play app, all, all that other stuff. Um, so what I want to do also is take some questions from you guys. Oh, but sorry, I didn't finish my thought on the, on the political part of this. Um, there's some interesting things happening here because... On one hand, you can see people pushing for government should take over everything, take over all the corporations, give everybody all the money, UBI for everybody, you know, all of this stuff. That's like one level of what people are pushing. And what I would say is, you know, I saw somebody that I'm, I'm not going to throw under the bus at the moment, but I saw a former guest of this show who is pretty much a libertarian uh, tweet out something to the effect of, yeah, I'm a libertarian, uh, but in times of crisis, um, you know, if taking over businesses and stimulus packages and blah, 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 work, then do it. And it's like, you know, Yaron Brook has said this to me many times. If you don't have principles when they matter, you don't really have principles. So I'm not saying the government shouldn't do anything right now. And I'm not going to pretend I'm an expert in this at all. And I do think the government has to do something. I think state governments have to do something first. And then federal government has to do something as well. And we can talk about whether that has to be helping businesses first, because then that allows people to have jobs or just handing money to people so that they can spend, which then helps business, right? There's so many interesting ways to look at this stuff. Um, and for the people that just, it, like you see this, it's like AOC, all the solutions just so happen to fit all her ideas perfectly. Isn't that incredible, even though she's never run anything, right? All the ideas just so happen to fit Bernie's political ideology perfectly, even though he's never run anything. Like that stuff is so boring to me when there's so many interesting ways we can be thinking about all of this stuff. And, and by the way, you're seeing right now all of these companies come together and say, you know, we, like there was this company that does auto stuff and they're like, we can use our assembly line to build masks. That's private enterprise, guys. So we, we don't want to lose all of our all of our ideals in the midst of something crazy, right? And, and you know, also the more, the more we give away, right? We know this, the more rights we give away, the more freedoms we give away. Uh, it's very rare that the government will hand those types of things back. And we're in an uncharted space right now and we have to be very careful about that. But at the political level, it's like, all right, there's some, as long as the economy doesn't completely crash and I, and I don't think, I truly don't think it will, um, regardless of, you know, how bad this gets. Our supply chain seems to basically be working. You know, I, I went to the supermarket two days ago. I've been trying to stay away from places, uh, obviously, uh, but I was picking up some dog food and I thought, all right, let me just run to the supermarket quick. And the supermarket was pretty well stocked. There weren't a ton of people in there. It was okay. And I, I sense from what 
I've seen like things are being restocked and all that, right? Amazon is really slow on on deliveries, but like things are happening, right? This could be much, 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 much worse. And that's why with the crew of people that are, you know, the burn it down crew, oh, America is so horrible and capitalism so horrible. And, you know, you see these people that take pictures of an empty aisle and they'll say, oh, I thought this doesn't happen in capitalist countries. It only happens in socialist countries. And it's like, yeah, that that empty aisle, those shelves, they get restocked the next day in capitalist America and in capitalist countries. So so this, the system is basically working, but it is being taxed right now in ways that it probably has never been taxed before. Uh, at the same time, that presents incredible opportunity for direct consumer businesses like Omaha Steaks and Butcher Box and uh, there's fish ones and all sorts of things that get, get immediate supplies to people and Amazon and and everything else. So there's opportunity. But what I see, what I think I see on the horizon of this politically is that let's say we have a couple of months of this, which now it sounds like we, we probably do have a couple of months of this in front of us at some level, maybe not all trapped in our houses all the time. But we're going to, I think we'll have eventually like a phased, you know, if you're under this age and healthy, you can go out and we'll have a phased version of that. Um, but politically, if the economy doesn't crash, which again, I don't think it will, and we will get through this, I, I guarantee you of that, we will get through this. Um, you know, the borders issue is now a huge win for conservatives, right? Like borders matter. Uh, and it's obvious they matter. And if, if you want to just know some more of my thoughts on borders, I think the, the guy that's influenced me the most on this is uh, Yoram Harzoni, who wrote The Virtue of Nationalism. You can find uh, the interview that I did with him, that strong, independent, sovereign nations find a way to work together with strong, independent, sovereign nations. Everyone doing what's best for their nation. That's how you have a global community, not just some hegemonic, um, globalist thing that tells all the nations what to do. It's becoming very obvious that borders do matter. Uh, I saw this ding dong, this Chris Silesia, you know, this guy at CNN. I mean, this guy's a real piece of work. Trump tweeted something about strong borders. I think it was today or yesterday. And he tweets, uh, uh, viruses don't know borders. And it's like, no, that's not true, really. I know it sort of sounds glib and cute, but, you know, a person that's walking over a border that has a virus uh, might infect people on the other side of that border. Uh, you're allowed to protect your border as you see fit. Every country in the world, by the way, is allowed to protect their border as they see fit, at least through biradical ends. Um, so it's like these simplistic answers and these people that, you know, this whole nonsensical thing about is calling it the Chinese virus or the Wuhan virus racist. I mean, it's not racist. China is not a race. China is a country. Asian people, Asian is a race, right? So it's not racist. Let's just put that aside. But I know people really struggle with that thing. Um, but saying that a virus is from somewhere, right? We know it's from Wuhan, the city of Wuhan in China. Saying that is not racist. But, but even putting all of that aside, the people bickering over this are wasting such time. You know, Peter Bogosian brings up a good point about this, that any of these companies that get infected by the social justice thing, the second they're infected by it, that means they're no longer doing their core mission. So whatever their mission might be, it could be a fire department, it could be a clothing sale, uh, you know, a clother, uh, department store, whatever. It could be a, a book retailer. It could literally be anything, whatever business you're in. Imagine if the, the, the job that you're in, the company has been infected by social justice. The second that happens and they start worrying about, oh, do we have this amount of X uh, do we have X amount of women and Z amount of black people and, da, 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 and this all this nonsense? The core mission of whatever they're supposed to be doing, which is make profit, sell product, you know, produce something, maybe they're a nonprofit, whatever it might be, get their ideas out there, et cetera, that is then skirted. 
it, you're missing something, right? You're you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're focusing on some sort of imaginary thing. So all of these people that are that are screaming and fighting about whether calling it the China virus is racist, um, it's just silliness. I, I saw a tweet from an extremely well-known person who I met personally. Maybe has even been on this show. Who I won't throw under the bus, but he tweeted out this thing about how calling it the the China virus is as racist as calling it the Spanish flu. And then, of course, people find that he tweeted last year or two years ago that it was the Spanish flu. It's like, what are we doing? What are we doing with ourselves, guys? It's it's really uh, it's really kind of nutty. So anyway, all that being said, the reason I'm mentioning all that is don't get too lost in that kind of stuff at the moment and try to find a couple people that sort of help you make get through this. And let's find other ways, whether it's having dinner together, which which we're going to do this week. Uh, with the Rubin Report community, or watching movies together, or helping people find jobs, or helping your neighbor uh, do something—you know, you don't have to hug them and kiss them and lick them, um, but whatever it is—or get to your local animal shelter. You know, they're all closing. Right? You know, like they're they're closing right now. These animal shelters—they're going to have to put down dogs. I mean, Clyde was literally—he was an hour away. They had the, the they showed me the paper was signed. Like he was going down. Um, and now he's here and alive and great. So, um, yeah, I hope I know you guys, it's not like you need me to tell you this stuff. Um, but I know we all kind of get lost in the, in just the general lunacy of things. All right. So I, I want to do a couple questions so you guys can submit questions right now at rubenreport.com or you can download the iOS app, just search Ruben report or the Google play, the Android app, uh, just search Ruben report. I'll get to some questions and thoughts and comments and things. Um, okay. Um, between the wheels said, how will society be different after this? What changes can you foresee? Well, I think society is going to be extremely dangerous. Uh, dangerous. Oof, geez, that was a strange uh, Freudian slip. Uh, extremely different. Um, first off, we have to get through this, right? So we have to get through this, whatever that means. First, just dealing with the, the virus itself and then the economic fallout. And then let's not forget, we have an election, which now seems almost irrelevant and crazy, right? Um, by the way, Biden did that little video conference and it's like, oh man, they really went with him. They, they really did it. I'm still not convinced Biden's going to be the nominee, by the way. Um, I, I honestly think it's 50, 50, you know, four months ago, I was saying it was still 25% Biden. Then I moved it to 33% after super Tuesday when everyone said it's hundred percent him. I still think the DNC could do something and I don't know that he can survive this thing. And I don't think he has the mental acumen and it's just sad and depressing and everything else, but okay. Um, how is society going to be different? Well, first off, I hope, and I and I know many of you are, I hope you're taking this opportunity to really think about your life seriously. So this would be like a, a Jordan Peterson element of this thing. Like if you have that book, 12 Rules for Life, and you haven't read it, uh, I've got it right here. Um, here, I'll grab it. Um, if you've got 12 Rules for Life and you haven't read it, um, I would recommend reading it. Uh, and if you don't have it and you can't get it delivered, you can download the, the ebook or the digital version or whatever else. Um, but I think so many of you, when I'm, I'm, when I'm chatting with people all the time now, I'm hearing this. So many of you guys helped get your lives together. Not, you're not perfect, right? But like you got, you, you sat up straight with your shoulders back, right? Like you pet a cat when you see it on the street, although I'm highly allergic to cats, so I don't do that. Um, but you, you get it. Um, I think, I think perhaps that at the moment, there's a nice opportunity for individual responsibility. Like right now, wherever wherever you're at, you're most likely, you're in your room right now on a laptop or you're at the at your desk or something, but you're most likely not at work right now. Um, but even if you are at work, you're, you're pretty solo right now. Um, we're all kind of on our own right now. We have, we have a small group of 
of spouses and, and family and everything else, but we're scattered all over the place. We're trying to find those connections. It's on us, like every, every adult, it's on you right now to figure out how do you sort of get through this. So as I said, like we took care of getting supplies early. We started planting some stuff, you know, like we started trying to do some things in the last two weeks. Like David's a really, really great chef, um, but I've been cooking a lot. Um, I've been trying to like, you know, do, learn those skills. Um, which I've really enjoyed. I also have, we, we all have like a little more time, right? A lot of you had to commute to work. Now you're home, like use this time wisely. Like I, I've been trying to eat, right? I've, I've been conserving, you know, one thing we're doing really well and I would recommend you guys do is try to conserve some food when you can. So normally in the morning, like simple, simple stuff. So normally in the morning I make a French press. So I do like uh, basically three tablespoons of coffee. I grind it up uh, and I do it in a French press. And then usually I drink maybe maybe half of that French press throughout the day, sometimes more depending on if I have three shows and whatever else is going on. Uh, but I rarely drink a, a full French press a day, but I normally just pour out that extra coffee. Well, what I've been doing now is I pour it into uh, a big jug and I put that in the freezer and then that's been, uh, sorry, in the fridge and then that's next day's coffee. So I'm trying to conserve that. We got red onions at the store and you know you can actually make red onions from red onions. So we started growing out the roots. I posted a, uh, a picture on how to do it. And David gave some, uh, some tips on how to do it at the, at the Reuben Report community. And we just planted some in a little, a little pot in the back. So we're going to start growing onions. Um, there's things I think that we can all do. So when you say, how is society going to be different? I hope that people are going to start thinking, I can't be so reliant on all the time on all of the things. You know what I mean? I can't be so reliant that always Amazon is going to show up an hour later when I need a freaking, uh, you know, I need a, a new mouse or something. Do people have mouse, mouses? Do people have mice anymore? <laughs> Whatever you're ordering on uh, Amazon, you got my point. Um, I think realizing that you have to be a little more reliant on yourself, that you should have some supplies. Hey, Ruben Report podcast listeners, just a quick reminder that my first book, Don't Burn This Book, Free Thinking in an Age of Unreason, is now available for pre-order. In it, I show you guys how to navigate a world of outrage mobs, political polarization, and online censorship without totally losing your mind. Pre-order your copy now on Amazon or Barnes & Noble, or go to don'tburnthisbook.com and order yours today. And this actually sort of brings back to what I was saying before about about borders so like the conservatives and the right are going to have a big win on borders i think they're going to have a big win on guns in the next election because people want to be able to defend themselves you know even in the midst of this um without getting too dark i mean part of my thinking uh with getting clyde was like you know it's it's nice having a dog in the house they've done studies in crazy uh well not in crazy times they've done general studies um where if you have a dog in the house it's something like 90 percent less chance for your house to be robbed because if a robber's casing a house and he's like, oh, I got to deal with a freaking dog in that house or that house doesn't have a dog and they look pretty much the same, well, I'm going to go to that house. Um, so I think just thinking about your life in like a full holistic way of, of how do you want to live? How do you not want to be so reliant on anything? I actually think and I really do hope that a lot of the ideas um, that I've talked about on the show about about individualism and limited government um and and personal responsibility and those things i actually think they are going to be strengthened through this um i think the the place where the conversation will be is right now how much power do we give to the government to try to fix this and can the government fix this and as i said earlier should the government be helping corporations because corporations can then employ people 
and then it sort of goes that way? Or should the government be giving direct money to the people and then the people can figure out what to do with their money? Or, you know, and then the more libertarian argument is the government shouldn't do anything. I do think the government should do something. Um, so there's there's all sorts of things. But, you know, the bigger problem with the just general political uh, the political nonsense we're dealing with all the time is, you know, they're putting in all their pet projects in it and they try to hide all of this stuff. And then suddenly a bill that's supposed to be about fixing the economy has something about abortion in it. It's just the same old political stuff. And that's why I say these guys are dinosaurs in the tar pits and they're drowning themselves. You, you're doing it to yourself. If you guys are watching this, if you're a congressman or congresswoman right now and you're not just getting it done, you're doing it yourself. So as, as far as how society change, I think it will start with us. I think we will change. I think we are all realizing, you know, if, if you were born in America after the baby boomer generation, um, you've really had no struggles in America. Not to say there haven't there have been struggles for civil rights and, and marriage equality and all sorts of things. So I'm not diminishing the, those things. But the real stuff, what it's been like to put food on a table, those things, like we're, we're confronted with that now. We do have to think about that now. Um, you know, one of the things that's been really disturbing, I think, is you see all these people that are like, oh, you know, it's it's not so bad, the, the virus, because it mostly affects people that are 80 or older or 70 or older, or the mortality rate really jumps at 80 or blah, blah, blah. It's like, um, do you, people have grandparents? Have you, have you ever had grandparents? I had, uh, I had uh, my, my father's, sorry, my mother's father died right before I was born. His name was David. I was named after him. My, my father's father died when I was in second grade, but I had two uh, grandmothers uh, into my 30s. Uh, and I had a great grandmother into my 20s and I had a great grandfather into my late teens. I liked all these people. I, I was really glad they were around. Uh, and generally speaking, I, I really like older people. Uh, my grandma's first cousin, Barbara, just passed away. Uh, she was like 93 and she was amazing. She was a piano teacher teaching to, to her last days in New York City, incredible woman. So this idea of, oh, it's just killing old people. It's like, you know, we should revere old people. I, I like learning from old people. They often have perspective, right? They're better than the Twitter bots. Um, so we, we've, I think we have to just start thinking about life a little bit differently. Um, and I think this, so what I think is it'll strengthen local communities. I think it'll strengthen families. You know, I'm feeling personally, I, I, as I said, I've been calling my family all the time. We're, we're trying to FaceTime and the rest of it. I hope you're doing that too. It's like you start you start realizing what's important when we're all kind of trapped in our families. I think another thing we should all be thinking about uh, that's sort of fallen off the map lately is, is the big tech question, right? Um, you know, we were all like, oh, big tech censoring us. We don't really talk about that anymore. But now big tech has, has more of a stranglehold than ever on us, right? YouTube is letting me put this stream up now. But, you know, if some if they decided not to or Twitter decided to do this or the rest of it, it's like we've now, because of how we're all communicating with each other, the big tech problem just went exponentially bigger. And we're not really discussing that. So we have to think about that. Again, that's why I started Locals. And that's why I'm, I'm trying to get as many of you guys over to the Rubin Report community as possible, because I think direct communication for people is the future without big tech in the way, um, which is why we, we built the app and you can get push notifications and uh, there's no algorithm messing with anything or the rest of it. So I hope you guys will join us over there if you're if you're interested in what to do it. And it's, we have ad-free video and ad-free podcast and we'll build and out some really cool stuff and all that. Um, so I think there's going to be major societal changes, um, but they're going to be kind of hard to see. And I think it's going to be on all of us to figure out who are the people that understand it and get it. Uh, I've found one of the voices that I found consistently um, 
consistently thoughtful and interesting during this time is Scott Adams, who I've had on the show a couple times, uh, the creator of Dilbert. Uh, I think he's been really good about not being totally alarmist, but not poo-pooing it. Um, I think he's actually a true original thinker. We were thinking maybe we'd do a Skype later in the week, so I may get him on for that. I'd love to hear some more of the people that you guys think are particularly interesting or thoughtful or insightful in the midst of all this, too. Um, let's see. Um, there's a popular, this is from uh, English politics, there's a popular meme going around that everyone loves socialism in a crisis. To me, this is silly because there's a difference between a one-off stimulus package during a crisis and a continuous payment via government. Uh, both are redistributive, but as long as the stimulus package is a one-time thing or a short-term sunset, uh, it shouldn't be considered socialism. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I do agree with that, which is why I'm a little concerned. You know, like a week ago, there was this really big push um, for UBI, universal basic income, which is, you know, the sort of Andrew Yang idea that, you know, I'm, you know we'll, we'll give everybody checks each month and, and uh, you know, they can do what they want with the money. I get why people sort of like the idea, but I would rather just let people keep their money. I would rather scale back government. You want to? You tell me you're going to chop the freaking federal budget by a quarter, and I guarantee you, none of us will know because the government is giant and bloated. So instead of the government giving people money, I'd rather people just keep their money in the first place. So, so I'm not a proponent of uh, of UBI. Um, although I, I happen to like Andrew Yang and I think he's a decent guy, but there was a big push for it last week and it seems to have been scaled back. But your your general point, and actually I do think it very much fits within what I would say is a classical liberal approach to this, is that you don't want the government now taking over everything forever in, in the socialist manner, right? And government's going to give money to everybody. The government's going to take over factories and all of these things. You do not want that. But the idea that right now we are in unprecedented crisis, this is a case where the government, in my view, the government has to do something. So this is where I would say maybe there's a little bit of a difference between, uh, which people constantly ask me, what is the difference between libertarianism and classical liberalism? Classical liberalism, I think, leaves room for enough sensible government when it's needed, but also puts the parameters around it so that this doesn't become something that the government does forever. That That's the idea. And I actually think in, in many ways, from what I've understood so far, what Trump has been presenting, he's trying to give uh, companies as much leeway as possible. And he's, you know, he's getting rid of some of the red tape around experimental drugs and a whole bunch of other things. What you want to do is you want to unleash the power of human potential. You want to unleash the power of competition and capitalism. So if someone's got a good idea and it's an antidote, someone's got a good idea on how to produce masks faster, a gajillion other things, 3D printers that can help doctors do this or that. We want to we want to unleash as much of that as possible. So maybe get rid of some regulation that you that you might want in some some more normal times and things like that. So I would say that a, a one time stimulus package or something with a sunset to get us through the economic hit that we're going through right now, so that the market doesn't crash, so that house house values don't plummet, uh, to make sure that you know the people, uh, you know the unemployment. Uh, Rates are spiking right now, obviously. We want to do some things to help all of this. But what I would also say is um, you want as much of this to be done by local governments, by state governments as possible, because not, not everything is a, is a fit all thing. So when you do a stimulus package and it's like the people of New York City um, don't necessarily need the exact same thing as the people of you know a, a, a rural town in Montana. 
and the and you know it costs much more to live in New York City and blah blah blah. The the spatial relationship between you and your neighbor is different, so that might mean you need different financial things or different different laws and all that kind of stuff, gun laws and everything else. So we have to really think about these things. So I would give as much power to the states as possible. In this regard, it sounds like Andrew Cuomo um, is doing a pretty good job in New York, from everything I understand. Uh, and he's, he seems to be a pretty calming voice in all of this, uh, which is completely uh, the reverse of his brother, Chris Cuomo, on CNN, who is just complete, complete buffoon. Um, okay, let's see. Um, which of Jordan's rules, this is from Nick Kotman, which of Jordan's rules do you think are the most important and pertinent during this time? I mean, look, the, the, the simple one of stand up straight with your shoulders back, the point of it is, the, the essence of it is, is kind of get your shit together so that you can be a voice of reason. Like you have to be a voice of reason with yourself first and then you can for the world. This, I think, is the biggest challenge all of us have is like to look at your life seriously and then figure out how to how to live it the best way. Right. We all struggle with this all the time. I think it's like the question in life. Um, but, you know, especially right now, I think we need people that we can look to that you're like, oh, that that is a person who is modeling some sort of behavior um, that is is good in a time of crisis is is not is not losing it in the midst of all of this is living in a way that is not crazy. Um, and that's why, you know, what I've really again, I've been really trying on social media and even what I did with the shows last week. Right. We did two shows um, on coronavirus with experts. Uh, this week, we're putting up a show with Dennis Miller that we actually taped right before this all broke. But I thought, you know what, Can I, I could do another show this week with, uh, we could Skype in, you know, another expert on Corona. But I don't want you guys to be slammed with just that. Like, I'll share information as I see it fit, as it seems pertinent. But I also want life to go on. And actually, Dennis Miller, who I had never met before, he was really, really funny and, and, and a totally nice guy. Like, we really, really hit it off. And I thought, like, let's let's get a little escapism, which, by the way, is why we're doing the movie thing, why we did Idiocracy yesterday, why we're, we'll do the dinner thing. Um, so I think I think standing up straight with your shoulders back, I mean, saying to the world, I'm here. I'm not losing my shit. I'm trying to deal with it and and move forward through that. Um, I think it's, I just, you know, it's the one that I quote all the time. It's probably the the most quoted one, but I think there, there's probably a reason for that. Uh, you know, the, the pet a cat on a street, if you see one, you know, the idea really is, is, um, you know, enjoy life, you know, don't forget the small things. Um, so it's not about a cat specifically, but I think in a time like this too, that is important. Don't it's I've been trying to still be silly on Twitter too. And, and the rest of it, uh, because we can we need humor in the midst of all this. We need an ability to appreciate what's happening in life and everything else. Um, okay, let's see. Um, where do you think Bernie Sanders crowd goes from here? They tied all their hopes to Bernie. Um, and then the DNC basically destroyed him. Um, he's old. This has got to be his last hurrah. Yeah, real quick, because I just don't want to do too much on like the, the pure political stuff at the moment. Um, Bernie's done. Bernie's done. You know, his best bet right now is to try to extract some concessions out of Biden. But the DNC has had it with him. The party hates him. Um, he's led the progressives to ruin several times over. And by the way, it's going to get much worse for progressives for the reasons that I just said, because intersectionality and social justice and all of that stuff and gender pronouns, could that possibly be more irrelevant than it is right now? Because now reality is more relevant. Reality is more hitting us all in the face right now. So as I said, conservatives now win on borders and on guns and on China and a bunch of things where all of the nonsense that he's been screaming about all seems irrelevant. 
So, and Elizabeth Warren is like beyond done. You know, she was going to hire a trans person to be the trans uh, guardian of trans issues in trans town. It's like, nobody's against trans people, Elizabeth, but your silly identity politics games, they seem completely irrelevant. So the sad part for Bernie is they have to destroy him now. And you can already see, I think AOC is hinting it a little bit. Um, they have to destroy him now because that's what this movement is. It's a, it's a snake that eats its own tail. And Bernie didn't win. And he didn't take out Hillary last time, which a lot of them wanted to. Um, he's going to go quietly into the night here and eventually back Biden. And the real radicals of the party, which is what the energy of the left is right now, um, have to destroy. They have to turn on him now and say, see, he wasn't true. He wasn't a true believer. He wasn't a true Marxist, communist, Stalinist like we are. And they have to take him out. And it was obviously time. And they'll be the ones that destroy his legacy. The conservatives and the people on the right or whatever, they're going to be like, oh, remember that Bernie Sanders? You know, he made some noise, but he was just an old, annoying socialist. But the ones that are going to truly burn the legacy of, of Bernie Sanders and say he was a sellout and he worked with evil Joe Biden, who who voted for the Iraq war and blah, 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 blah. Um, it's going to be his own people. So Bernie is done. Um, let's see. Um, the C, This is sports fan. The CDC dictates that people should be no closer than six feet. I have seen that. Uh, thus, all sports leagues have been shut down for the next several weeks. Why can't two PGA golfers play a pay-per-view match with no caddies, walk their own bags with cameramen hundreds of feet apart with, with cameramen, oh, with cameramen hundreds of feet apart on the course? Would this not be the highest grossing pay-per-view of all time? It would also not give people jonesing for something to gamble on a big event. Yeah, it's a good idea. Like, Actually, right now, but but again, this is why I'm hopeful right now. I think there are so many interesting opportunities right now. If you're a golfer, get out there and golf and have your brother or somebody, your wife, stand. Well, if it's your wife, you can hopefully be next to them. Or, you know, some trusted person can just be on an iPhone live streaming on YouTube. And then, you know, when you have to and then uh, you jump in the cart after each stroke. And then you talk about golf or talk about life. Like there's that, it's exactly what I'm trying to do here. Um, I think there's so many interesting opportunities. If you're a basketball player and you're stuck at home right now, you know, instead of playing video games and I have nothing against video games, I actually just, me and me and my buddy, one of my other childhood buddies, my buddy, Ari, we just bought John, who I uh, mentioned to you earlier. Uh, we just sent him a, a PlayStation at his house so we can all hook up headphones and play. We have, I haven't had a freaking moment to do it. Um, but we thought that would be fun. It would be like we're in seventh grade again. So we're going to try to do it tonight for a couple minutes. Um, but if you're a basketball player or you're a baseball player or something like you're a baseball player, what an easy one. You're a pitcher, you're a baseball pitcher and you love baseball and you can't play right now. And you're supposed to be in spring training. It's like, man, set up a camera, have your son catch and show people how to throw a great curveball. You know, like all of that stuff. You're an infielder, show people how to field, show people how to swing. I mean, and forget just sports. I mean, there's a million things that we can do here. Uh, my mom is a, is a retired nursery school teacher. She's now got my five-year-old niece and, and two-year-old nephew. She's doing some teaching at home again. Um, you know, there's so many things that people can do. I think the ability to telecommute and work from home, um, there's, there's ways we can all do things better um, and learn some new skills. And I saw, you know, one of the people in the Ruben Report community is teaching online yoga now. Um, let's share music with each other. I've been posting just different different playlists on Spotify that I like, you know, like let's, let's, we can, we can share our lives in a new way, I think, because of all this. Um, let's see. Uh, M Tickle says, Hey Dave, I can't be the only one who's watching the hyperbole and in some cases lies visualizing this as a means to transition towards central planning thoughts. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely concerned about that. Right. Like I don't, and that's why I'm saying, uh, 
as per the earlier question, that you don't want long-term takeovers of industry. What you want are short-term stimuluses to get us through the hump, right? That is the duty of government is to keep the wheels on the thing, if nothing else, right? Uh, and then with some sort of sunset clause, so like it doesn't last forever, nothing lasts forever. We don't. What, what we don't want at the end of this is we don't want to get through this, whatever that means, X amount of people die, but we get through this, the economy takes a hit, but then suddenly we realize, holy cow, we now have an extra 5 million people on the government dole. Um, because the problem is, and this is just human nature, when people get on the government dole, they don't get off the government dole. And then the government always increases its budgets. Because government offices work basically the way a government a go, the way a governmental office works is you got to spend the budget you get you get a budget doesn't matter what office you're in you get a budget if you don't spend that budget they cut your budget the next year so you always spend it or over so that they give you more no business could ever operate like this and that shows why the government of of every country but the United States you know we're trillions in debt why are we in debt because we always spend more um, so yes I am worried that whatever we do here has more long-term effects that will hamper freedom, that will hamper liberty if we just have the government take over everything. So we do have to be very weary about that. Um, let's see. Um, whatever happened to that thing that was all over the news before coronavirus? You know, the thing with the old guys, the uh, Democratic primaries, that's it. I mean, yeah, it, it just seems so irrelevant right now. It just seems so, it seems so crazy. You know, another thing related to Trump, um, is that, you know, like Trump, hate Trump, whatever. If you're not just like a crazed, you know, he's Hitler person. You know, Trump, for better or worse, is an executive, right? Like, it's very obvious he hires people, he fires people, he makes decisions, he hands off things to other people, he delegates all of that. That, as a general set of uh, skills, is a good thing to have. I'm not saying he's perfect at it by any stretch, but like as a general set of skills, it's a good thing to have, right? Now, if you imagine if Bernie was in charge right now, Bernie's never run anything, right? He's run, he's run for office. I don't really consider that accomplishing anything, building anything. Like there's no reason to think that as a decision maker, he is the final decision maker that can actually figure out how to make things happen properly, that he could hire the right people to make things happen properly. I'm not saying Trump has hired all the right people, but you want people that make decisions um, and then you have to live with those decisions. So you hope that those decisions are good ones. Uh, but yes, even thinking about the election right now is, is kind of crazy. And again, I, I just have a feeling it's not going to be Biden. I do. Um, let's see. Um, calling for a three-month timeout on all rent mortgage loan payments would help us through this. I saw Larry Sharp suggests this. Ever consider getting him on the show? Well, I've had Larry Sharp on. Larry Sharp uh, was libertarian running for governor of New York. Um, didn't do particularly well, but I think, but, you know, New Yorkers are not, uh, as a general rule, uh, very libertarian minded. I think they, I think they are in their hearts, like a New Yorker. I'm a New Yorker. Like it's the most like individualistic thing there is, but then you get, live in a big city and suddenly you want the government kind of doing everything. Not that New York city is all of New York, obviously. And there's a lot of tension actually between New York city and Albany, which is the state capital, because there's tension between the amount of funds that the city gets versus what the rest of the state gets. Larry Sharp's a really good guy and he's a really good thinker. And I'm happy to have him on again. The, the idea of, of suspending rent payments, mortgages, and that sort of thing. Look, it's one of those things that you really have to think it through. So let's say, let's say you do that. Um, now you're helping the immediate people, right? Now, first off, not everyone needs help right now. So I think you do have to figure out ways that it's not fair. Like, like my business, for example, in the midst of this, 
um, you know, we're, we're doing pretty good, right? I can do this. I'm doing this from my, from my computer today, uh, but I do have a home studio. And as long as my people can get here, which is tenuous actually at the moment, but we can basically function. I, I'm going to be on Tucker Carlson this week from my house and Dana Perino and a couple other things. Um, I don't get invited to do people always do CNN and MSNBC. They don't, they don't ask me. I, I can't just show up. Um, but I, you know, I can pretty much function as a business here. We've made sure that our employees are, are going to be paid and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, so if you were going to have like a mortgage break at the moment, you know, you have to make sure it doesn't go to everybody. I, I can afford my mortgage, thankfully, at the moment. You guys that support us allow us to do that because, by the way, our videos last week on coronavirus were, were demonetized. So when I do valuable things, they're de- one of them got monetized a few hours later. One of them, I think it took like get monetized, but you get all those views at the beginning. So I can't trust YouTube as a, as a business model, which again is why we started RubenReport.com. And if people throw in a couple bucks, it, it gets us there. So we're good. But you would want to make sure that Tom Hanks, who maybe has coronavirus, but he doesn't need his mortgage not to be paid. So you have to figure out ways that you're helping the people who actually need it, not just throwing money. You know, the simple answer is to just throw money at everything. Um, but the idea of saying that, that loan payments, maybe for certain things, um, you know, school payments, let's say school loan payments for six months while we figure this out and that, that rent and mortgage, you know, for people of X income, or if you've lost your job, you know, something like that, I would want as much of that to be done by the States as possible. But I, but something like that actually makes complete sense to me. That's a way you can help people. Now, what you want to make sure you're doing also is you want to make sure then you're not completely screwing the, the people that own the property. So an example would be, let's say you've got a guy who's doing okay, right? He's doing pretty good. He makes 150 grand a year because he owns a couple properties and rents out a lot of things and he's doing pretty good and he doesn't need a break himself. But now if you say to that guy, all right, well, you can't charge rent to all of your people. Well, now suddenly he has no income and now this $150,000 guy is hurt too. So you really have to think of all of the cascading things that happen with all of this stuff. Um, and that's why... That's why politics is so crazy because you get these people in here that just, oh, we know exactly how to do it. We've never done it before. We've never actually accomplished anything, but we know how to do it. And by the way, it so happens to fit every single thing that I've been screaming about for two years. That's really just not reality. We have to figure out how to have some mature ways to discuss this. Actually, one of the things that I want to do, I think we're trying to set it up right now, actually, is I want to do a show on the economic fallout of this through the principles that I always talk about here, right? Through classical liberal and libertarian principles, how could you do a short-term stimulus package that would make sense uh, through that? So we're going to do that uh, with an expert probably within the next week or so. Um, Let's see. So a lot of you are asking a lot about that. What are your thoughts on the education system and how they're handling the situation? So I really like the idea that as many schools, from what I can tell, at least, and from uh, listening to to my brother and sister who have kids in the school system, um, you know, as many schools that can go online as possible, I think it's it's obviously great. You know, Zoom. I'm doing Zoom to do these movie nights with people, and you can get in Zoom. I think you get a hundred people all at once in a thing. So little classes, you can still teach. It's a little it's a little different. Um, I would want to empower teachers to be able to to do as much of that as possible. Um, you know, the real issue here is right now, it seems to me, I don't see how schools come back this year. Uh, you know, this calendar, well, no, I think they can come back this calendar year, but this semester, I think probably schools aren't, won't come back till September because let's say right now we have, a, let's say we have just have a month of this right now, which some people are predicting far more. But if we have a month of this right now, now we're in the middle of, middle to end of April. 
Now the school year usually ends, uh, for some schools end late May, most, most are ending by mid June. Well, how do you pack all that in? And if you say, all right, well, we're going to extend it through the summer. Like you start the amount of, you know, parents that have other obligations, like there's a million things, again, the cascading effects of all of these things. So I think we have to do as much as we can. I mean, think how actually guys, um, think how truly blessed we are that we are going through this in 2020 and not 1920, right? We are able to communicate right now. Imagine, imagine what it was like in times past when pandemics and epidemics and flus and plagues and all of these things happened where you didn't know what would happen if you walked outside. You didn't know what was happening three houses over, much less across the, uh, across the country, much less across the world. So, <coughs> excuse me, I just, cut, I, don't worry, I'm gonna wash this hand and I know where this hand's been. Um, <clears throat> just a sec. Um, so we're living in this like tech, technological adolescence in the midst of all this too. And we have to think about that, but there, there's a beauty in it, right? Like there is a beauty. We can, most of us, the people that are telecommuting right now, oh, this is one of the things when you ask about how society is going to change. I think it's becoming increasingly obvious that most people can telecommute, don't need to be in traditional offices anymore. And I think what that will do is when people realize that, I think a lot of people that right now that let's say work in New York City that are paying crazy, crazy high rents, I lived there most of my life. Um, to be to work at an office, and and then you get all sorts of ancillary benefits by living in New York City. There's a gajillion great restaurants. You've got Lincoln Center. You've got Central Park. All those things, but you're living in a crazily expensive thing to often, as my as my sister describes it, uh, to live in her little box. Um, you know, I think people are going to realize. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I don't need to be going to that office. I could I could telecommute, do most of my work remotely, and I could live somewhere else, somewhere more rural, more suburban. Uh, feel safer, not be around as many people. I, so I think actually there's going to be some interesting migration patterns that happen after this. Um, and I think, by the way, that some people have been uh, well ahead on this. Uh, I'll give a shout out to to my man, Chris, who uh, who works with us, who does all our YouTube backend stuff, who's done an absolutely great job, who we've worked with for about two years now. I never even met him in person until about three weeks ago. He came out uh, with his wife and and daughter, and we met for the first time in person. But we've been telecommuting and video chatting and phone calling, and I think there's all sorts of ways that people can do. And he lives he lives in New York, right? I'm in California. We live three thousand miles apart. We've worked together for two years, never even met until three weeks ago. I mean, there's really cool things uh, that I think technology can now uh, aid us in as as we go through this. Um, so I think the way where people live is going to change. I mean, there's so many things. The way industries are going to change. I mean. Movie theaters right now, I said to David last night, I haven't read anything about this, but what movies were supposed to be out in the last two weeks? I mean, if you had a big budget movie, studios are losing a ton of money right now. Are they immediately sending them to Apple movies? Are they trying to push them all onto Netflix right now? And if they do, and the more all of us are online, do we have to figure out new ways to do broadband? And how does that affect, you know, if we're going to go with 5G and a million issues around that? And are we going to have lag times on, on, uh, on the internet, I mean, there's a million things to think about right now. But you know, I I really think, and this is why I say the the most important rule is to sit up straight with your shoulders back. If we can just remain calm and think about those options, um, I think we're going to be in good shape. You know, one of the uh, examples that I would hear Jordan talk about uh, on the tour about this was, you know, a lot of times people come to him and they'll say, well, they hate their job, and it's like, all right, you hate your job. I'm quitting my job. Well. 
all right, but you can't just quit tomorrow, most likely, right? Let's just say you don't have a trust fund. You can't just quit tomorrow. You can go, I hate my job, but what I have to do is I got to get my resume together. I got to look at my budget. I got to think, do I have a family to support? Um, do I have a mortgage to pay? Blah, 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 car payments, everything else. And look at it maturely. Look at your life maturely. And we all kind of struggle with this at times, right? Like I struggled with all of those things, budgeting and, and you know, all, all of the personal stuff that we all struggle with. I think I'm getting pretty good at it now. Um, and I think what this will force people to do is look at their lives more seriously and say, what do I really want? Do I just want to go along with the system that in many ways doesn't seem to really care about me or function that well, while at the same time, again, our system here is still, I would still rather be in America right now than anywhere else, right? It's a, it's a little whacked out right now, uh, but all countries are having problems. And again, like the borders thing, it's like these people that were screaming about open borders. Well, now Canada shut their border to America. America shut their border to Canada. Even even the Brexit situation, you know, I think the UK is probably pretty happy that they're out of Brexit and can have better control over their borders. And and you know, you can see what's happening in Italy, which has an extremely, uh, I think I think the oldest population in the world, and that which is one of the reasons they're struggling so much. But then you see these incredible videos of people in apartment buildings in Italy singing out of their windows because because humans have a desire to 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 be free, to be happy, to to find connection. And I think we're, I, I sense something really good about that that will happen after all this. Um, okay, let's see. Uh, what games are you playing on PlayStation? So as I said, I so we got my buddy John a PlayStation, and I just haven't had a moment yet because you know we ended up getting the dog and like we're doing some other stuff around here, and I've been dealing, you know, I've been trying to garden and just like do things that are a little more particularly important at the moment. But I did finally turn the PlayStation on yesterday. I had to do like a gajillion updates because it hadn't been on in, in, in so long. Um, but I, you know, if you have some recommendations, please let me know because so, you know, I, I, I like generally playing the sports games, like with my nephew, we play online when we can. Um, but I don't like, like, I don't have like major, first of all, I don't have a lot of time and I can't like devote my life to it. Right. So like, I like sort of games that are somewhat mindless. So I think the game that I'm going to play with, with my buddies, I told them to download, it's just Marvel ultimate Alliance. You know, you all pick a superhero, you're just punching through a lot of stuff and shooting things and blowing things up. Um, but it, you know, the screen, you're kind of looking down sort of like in an old school gauntlet way. So it's not that, you know, I don't really like running into the screen that way. I, I just get lost. I'm more of a Mario brothers guy. I got to go that way. I don't even like going that way. I, I prefer to go this way, but I could do it this way. <laughs> so, uh, so that, but I also have old school Nintendo here and playing Contra up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA select start. I'm totally good to go on that front. But if you've got some recommendations, let me know. Um, are you going to do pay-per-view for the event in Anaheim? So the book tour so I have not heard yet that the book tour is officially postponed. A few people have started sending me screenshots that they're getting messages from Live Nation that, that, that the tour is postponed. I'm assuming at this point the tour was supposed to start on April 28th in New York, like probably not happening then. So obviously we're going to move all the dates. We just started a big email chain about how we could do some uh, pay-per-view events or you know, live stream kind of things. Um, so stay tuned on all that. Don't, don't worry, if you bought a ticket, by the way, uh, and, and thousands of you guys bought tickets already, which, you know, it's awesome. And also like, ah, ah. Um, but yes, we, we will figure that out. Don't worry, you're not gonna lose your money on the ticket. We're gonna figure out all that stuff. There's a, you know, try to imagine the amount of events that have to be rescheduled and book things that have to be, I mean, all of that stuff has to be, has to be dealt with, but don't worry, you're not gonna lose your money. And we, 
you know, look, I, I told the publishers when I had the, the big call with Penguin the other day, you know, they, and they were talking about, Dave, do you want to delay the book launch? And we're delaying a lot of other stuff. And I was like, no, we, we go ahead and do it. We will do the best we can. I don't, I said, uh, they're released. They told me how many, how many books they're releasing the first week. And we know we've sold a ton already and they're releasing like a really crazy amount despite all this. And I said to the guy, I will, if I have to sign book plates for every single person, because I know it's a pain to have a book delivered or what, not a pain to have a book delivered, but like everything's just up in the air. If I have to, if I have to literally sit in this room and sign book plates for three straight days till my hand falls off, I'll do it. I wanted, I, I believe in this book. I think it's, it's probably the best work I've ever done. I think the ideas that, you know, that we're presenting in this book, um, I think they're the right ideas for right now. Um, that Jordan Peterson guy, by the way, who, uh, who we mentioned a couple of times, topical, engaging, personable, and above all reassuring here, you know what? I'll, I'll just, uh, so on the back of the book, I'll, I'll just, uh, read you a couple of these, uh, Dave Rubin's genuine curiosity and willingness to seriously consider options across the political spectrum have rightly made the Rubin report a necessary corrective to modern journalism. Don't burn this book charts his personal and political transformation from predictable progressive to independent and ind uh, sorry to independent and informed thinker in a manner that his readers should find topical, engaging, personable, and above all reassuring. That's that's from Jordan. Um, real quick from Shapiro. Dave Rubin's willingness to have tough conversations with those whom he disagrees has made him a political force and a target. This book shows why. Uh, this one, here's, here's one that you may not have thought uh, I got on this book. Uh, Dave Rubin is bridging America's divide, he, great divide. He reminds us that while we may not always agree with the other, we need to listen to them. Rubin has mastered the vital skills of listening and of asking questions that do not serve an ideological agenda. That's Eckhart Tolle from The Power of Now. I don't know that Eckhart Tolle ever thought he'd be on the back of a book with Jordan Peterson, Ben Shapiro, Peter Thiel. Dave Rubin has been years ahead of the mainstream media, four years. Uh, it's incredible that Pete did that, that Peter did that. Uh, Dave Rubin is one of the bravest, smartest people I know, as well as a tremendous television presence. That's Tucker Carlson. And then my man, Dave Rubin is one of the one of a kind, a truly great interviewer, bright, curious, and funny. That's Larry King. Um, so anyway, I really wanted to get this thing out, and we are not going to delay it. And I, and I just believe as a, as a general rule in life, as I'm holding, a, well, I have the other book here about rules in life, um, you just keep going. You just keep going. So I was like, no, we're not going to delay this thing. We will figure out a way to make it happen. So yes, don't worry about the tour. It will all be rescheduled. And if in the meantime, I have, I'll do free videos. I mean, whatever I got to do, I'll do. I promise you. Um, let's see. A couple others here. Um uh, are you planning on doing meetups after your tour events? Yeah, we well we, look all the all the tour questions, and I see a couple others here. We got to figure out all of that stuff. Um, all of the events, by the way, we were doing meet and greets after, where you know if you buy the VIP ticket, you get to meet me, shake your hand, take a picture, sign the book, a uh, little private talk. You know, now just everything's up in the air. Just give us a chance to get get that in order, and and we will get it there. Um, let's see. Um, Dave, can you tell us a little more about the process of recording the audiobook version of Don't Burn This Book? Oh, I'm glad you asked. So I did that last week, actually. So for three days last week, in the midst of this corona lunacy, uh, I went to a studio in West Hollywood. And first off, driving through Hollywood was weird because Hollywood is is sort of becoming like a very San Francisco-like sort of just homeless, uh, dystopian, apocalypse place. I, I mean, it's really, really gross. West Hollywood's not not as bad on that front, but you have to drive through Hollywood from where I am to get to, to West Hollywood. And there's really nobody else on the street. So it was like very weird. 
uh, basically you go in, uh, there was one guy in there. They, they, you know, normally they'd have some more people there, but they're on a skeleton crew as well. They made sure to sanitize the whole thing. You sit in a tiny little audio booth. So technically I actually could have done it from our studio here, but you guys know that during the show, I usually wear a lab, which is just like, you know, the mic that we pin to, to the shirts. Those are not the highest quality mics. And obviously, although we've done a nice job soundproofing this place and I, I know some of you guys have seen it before, um, but you know, we've got sound panels that you can see everywhere and we do a nice job of that. Um, and some seriously expensive lights, I'll tell you that much. Um, it's our, our audio quality here. I'm not in a tiny soundproof booth that is absolutely perfect. So even though we could have done it here, obviously I wanted to do the best possible quality. So you go in there, you've got an iPad, the book's right in front of you and and you read through and um you have a director i had a director who is actually in new york and then i had the engineer in los angeles and you read through and when you're on a nice roll they don't say anything and every now and again they want you to repeat a line or they want you to hit a particular word a little differently or on a joke they want you to pause a little bit more or there might be something where you know i i sort of trampled over a word in like a very passionate sentence or something um, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Like I actually really like, it was fun being in the booth. Um, David's been saying to me for a long time, I should do voiceover stuff. And like, he could see me doing like cartoon voices and things. And I really like being in the booth. There's, there's something that I just, I don't know. I felt very at home there. Um, so maybe I'll do some more of that kind of stuff in the future, but basically it's funny. So get there and I did it in three days. Uh, the book's about 220 pages or so, 230 pages. And it took me about three days to do. Um, and the reason for that is, you know, you, you could probably do it all in a day if you could just literally talk from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. nonstop and whatever. You'd want to kill yourself at the end. But really, after after five hours of talking, and you know, because sometimes you have to repeat yourself and everything else, um, my throat each day when I walked out of there was killing me. And, you know, we're in the middle of this corona thing. And it's like, man, am I, am I like ripping up my throat, which is going to somehow make my throat more susceptible uh, to, to getting germs in there. Um, so I didn't want to kill myself each time. So it took, it ended up taking me about two and a half days. I went in for two full days at about a half day on the third day. And, um, yeah, I enjoyed the process. I, I really, I'm really proud of the book. I, I think you guys are really going to like it. You know, in my, my one thing is like, I kind of wish that it had come out before Corona because we're all so, we're all so, um, caught up in this for all the right reasons. But I think that the ideas that I lay out in the book, are not I think I know that the ideas that I lay out in the book are completely um, applicable to everything that's happening right now. So, um, so I'm super excited for the book to come out. Actually, I shot a new PragerU video about the the main idea of the book, uh, which will come out on April 27th, and the book comes out on April 28th. Um, I taped a interview with Candace Owens, which will come out right around then. Her uh, me on her show. I went on Josh Peck's podcast. I have a whole bunch of other interviews being planned. Oh, and I will tell you one one other thing, which I haven't said publicly before, but um, I got finally, after all of these years, uh, I got booked on Real Time with Bill Maher uh, for May 29th. But then like literally, I kid you not, like two days later, we found out that they were suspending it for the season. So we don't know what's going to happen with that. But there, so there's a real bittersweet thing there, right? Like, I mean, I wanted to be on Politically Incorrect, which was Bill's show before. That was his show on ABC before Real Time. 
um, which ended right after 9-11 when he got in, he was one of the first victims of cancel culture after he said something about the hijackers. I don't, I don't want to get into all that right now. Um, but I wanted to be on that show for years, right when I started stand-up. I started stand-up in 98, May of 98. So I've wanted to be on Bill's show for over 20 years, literally over 20 years. Like that was the gig that I wanted. The one thing that I probably want more than that is Howard Stern. Um, but, but putting Stern aside for a sec, um, finally got the, the email from the publicist that I'm booked on Bill Maher and then they get suspended for the season. So life works in weird ways. You know, the funny thing is that in the last couple of months, I had sort of gotten over it in, in a way. I was kind of like, you know what, I'm just doing my thing. And I just, I don't like wanting something like that anymore. You know, like I spent a lot of time in life. We, I, you know, we all do this, right? You spend a lot of time in life wanting certain things for certain reasons. And like, I'm good. I'm good. I'm very proud of what we're doing here. I'm very happy with what we're doing, et cetera. And um, I had sort of gotten over it really. Um, and I had even jokingly said to David a couple of times in the last year, I'm like, you know, if I ever get the call to be on real time, it's going to be kind of a letdown if anything. Um, now, of course, if the season gets picked back up or if they end up going back to next season or whatever, I will be glad to do it. I think Bill and I could have an incredible discussion um, because we we are both old school free speech liberals. Um, you know, he's got more of the Trump derangement stuff. He, he's gotten into personal fights with Trump, so I don't even begrudge him some of that stuff. Um, but I think ultimately he's more of like just like a pot smoking libertarian that has been sort of crossed up by a lot of the progressive nonsense. But then at the same time, it's like who hates Bill Maher the most? It's the progressives. It's, it's the lefties. The conservatives are always like, oh, Bill Maher is a good liberal. I just disagree with him on everything. Um, I would love to have that conversation with him. Like, how cool would that be, actually? Right. We're generationally different. We have a different perspective on these things. I think it would be an amazing conversation. Um, so anyway, so I, I got booked and then, and then the season got suspended. So I don't know what God's saying to me. Uh, but yeah, there we are on that. Um, OK. Um, let's see. Will you have Jordan Peterson on anytime soon? Um, so I, I don't want to say anything, uh, about Jordan that, you know, his team hasn't released. I can tell you he's getting better. I can tell you he'll be back. I know he's going to be back and he's going to be great. Uh, just give him a little bit of time. And, and of course we'll, we'll get in here. I know, and I know he's working on another book. Um, a lot, a lot of questions are about the stimulus packages and making sure that they don't stick around for too long. So I, I think we've already hit that. Um, oh, this is a good one. Uh, at our reasoning says, does this emphatically and une unexpectedly put an end to the whole open borders thing, specifically in Europe, or will they keep going the same way as before? You know, one of the interesting things about this, so, is that, you know, one of the, the way the left has operated over the last couple of years, and, and I think why many of you guys came to this show, was that I, I just started saying, well, the left doesn't seem to ever stop. It doesn't seem to ever look in the mirror. It doesn't ever take any self-reflection. Donald Trump is president. You might go, oh, maybe we did something wrong here. And they never do that. And the, so this is an interesting question because it's like now, as there is a massive pandemic throughout the world, as people in the United States of America, in the freest country of the world, are, are quarantined in our homes, um, might the left go, oh, we should think a little bit differently about borders, um, you know, that you can't just let people wander through into different countries, that if you come across illegally, you got to go back. I mean, a million, a million things. Because the funny thing is when, when the rubber hits the road, which it's hitting right now, what are countries doing? They're closing their borders. And, and that's the thing. If you have ideas that, that you think work, but then suddenly something happens. So now you have to go, oh, do my ideas work? And you just plow through them anyway. Well, then your ideas are not good. So it is very obvious 
to even someone like Justin Trudeau, who brings back ISIS fighters to hang out in Canada. Lovely fella. He's so welcoming. Um, he's even realizing that borders matter. So I, I think the borders thing ultimately is a major win for Trump here. As I said, China is, guns are, I think the state's right stuff. I mean, I think there's a lot of wins in it for him. Um, I think cutting regulation is also a win. You know, they're getting rid of the red tape so that we can test out some of these medications and things. Um, and by the way, Trump's been fighting for that forever, uh, right to try laws and things like that. So um, will the question really, though, is will they backtrack on some of their open border stuff? I think the train, the way these people operate, I know it seems crazy, but the way these people operate is they, they believe in their ideas at a religious nature, not a rational nature. And that's why they're more upset with whether you call this the Chinese virus or the Wuhan virus, rather than what the mortality rates are. Like they, they really are seemingly more upset by that because it's this is religious in nature. And what I'm more concerned about is this guy. Look at him. Let's go. We'll do a little pause there. Man, when he fell asleep, uh, not last night, the night before. Oh, that was a good yawn. Um, you know, after, after probably a couple weeks, just totally stray and then being in the shelter uh, amongst all the other dogs. When we went to the shelter and got him, you know, he's in this room. They do the best they can there, but they're overloading all sorts of stuff. And there were all these yipping dogs. And he was actually the biggest dog in, in the room that he was in, probably about 15 dogs in there. And they're yipping and barking or whatever. And he was just freaked out. Like you could see, you know, some dogs, you see people that don't like being around a lot of people. He was freaked. And it's like the second he got into this house, we took him off the collar. He bolted around like, you know, dog, young dogs, they get the zooms. I think that's what they call them. He bolted around like, holy cow, I am home. I'm good. And now he's happy and good. And what are you doing? What are you doing? Are you eating my hand? All right. Um, anyway, the borders thing, um, I, I, th I think you get my point. I, I don't know that they'll turn back because, you know, the, the globalist portion of this, especially in Europe, like they just believe that these borders shouldn't exist just because they shouldn't. And that bankers in Brussels should have much as much to do in your life in Italy and in Germany as your local government. That, that, that's just crazy to me. Um, but it, it will be interesting. What will be interesting to see is what happens to the Democratic Party here, right? Because the Democratic Party, whether you like their ideas or not, they they are a machine that wants to win. So when they took out Bernie, and by the way, again, nobody stole the election from Bernie, right? Like the fact that Buttigieg and Klobuchar and Warren, the, the fact that they all dumped out is not, and then, and then I don't, did Warren ever support Biden? Do, do we know about that? I, I kind of missed it if it happened, but the rest of them, the fact that they all dumped out and even Yang and, and Tulsi um, and all supported Biden is not stealing it from Bernie, right? Everyone got to vote. It's, it's that they are, everyone's playing politics. That's what politics is. It's a, it's a dirty game, right? You may not like the game, but don't, you know, hate the player, hate the game. Don't hate the game, hate the player. Which one is it? Wait, is it don't hate the player, hate the game, or don't hate the game, hate the player? Don't hate the player. Hate the game. Right. Don't hate the player, hate the game, right? Like the game is messy. Jesus. Um, it's a, it's a messy game. So the point is that no, nobody was cheated. Bernie was not cheated. But the Democratic machine said Biden, they decided Biden gives us better chance. And when I say they, I mean the party leaders, those candidates, everybody, that's what they decided, right? And for Biden right now and, and the DNC, it's like, well, what do we do? We've been screaming 
about illegal immigrants, don't call them illegal. And we've been screaming about more open borders and we should give health care to all of these people who aren't even citizens. And we should, you know, Biden said the thing. He said the thing to Beto about, you're going to handle the gun thing for me. Well, these are losing issues for you guys. So does the DNC now start moving back to the center? Does Biden move back to the center? Biden, who I do actually think is more of a centrist and got totally lost in the social justice nonsense. I don't know. Interesting. But would anyone trust him at that point? And yeah, I, I just don't see that as a win for them either. Then it's just like, oh, you're, then the base really hates you even more because the, the base is religious in nature. So it's an interesting question. We'll, we'll see. Um, let's see. Uh, you know what? I'll do one more question. I see there's a ton here. I'll try to, for those of you that I didn't get to, I'll try to respond to some of them uh, by text within the comment section at rubidreport.com. Um, what's the hardest part for you and David these days from James Regard. That's a, that's a good one. Um, David, can I give a little personal information here? Yeah, all right. Um, well, I will tell you guys this. I have not said this publicly before, um, but we are trying to expand our family and not just in the, uh, in the dog kind. Um, so in the midst of all this craziness, um, actually on Friday when, when we officially adopted Clyde, uh, earlier in the day, uh, we were at, the uh, IVF clinic, and we were uh, don't not donating our sperm. We were what were we doing? What were we doing with it? Depositing. I keep saying donating, but we weren't giving our sperm away to regular people. We were depositing our own sperm, uh, and we are trying to find an egg, and then ultimately a surrogate. And we're trying to, uh, to we're probably going to have two two kids, um, and uh, we're doing. And you know, everybody's canceling appointments, and they're delaying IVF and, and the surrogacy thing, and they don't want to bring women in. There's a million things. The, the doctor was willing to see us, so we did deposit the sperm. I'm not going to get into the specifics of that, um, but you know, it was a, it was a seriously crazy time to be doing it. Actually, I tweeted a picture. I didn't say where I was going. But as we were walking into the sperm clinic, Dennis uh, Rodman rode by us on a skateboard. I was like, this is, life is weird. Um, so anyway, we're, we're in the midst of that. And uh, we've been planning it for quite some time and having all sorts of conversations about how we want to do it and why we want to do it and timing and, you know, a million other things. And unfortunately, right now they're delaying a lot of the uh, of the implants and everything else for a few months while while they figure out what's going on with Corona. But we wanted to make sure that at least our sperm was taken care of. There's a sentence I've never said before, um, so that the second we find the right donor, we can make sure that we can you know get her you know get get the eggs and even if they can't do the process just yet, um, and they still have to do extra screening on us and on on her and then ultimately on the surrogate. Uh, because basically what we're doing is we're taking our sperm. I think we're going to try to have two kids, um, one, but from the same egg, right? So um, the, the the donor will have a couple eggs. My sperm will go to one, David's will go to another, and then we'll hopefully have two children, um, which maybe will be done as twins and maybe will be done separately, um, which is then two surrogates and the whole, it's a whole bunch of stuff here, uh, but they're delaying a lot of that. So it's it's been sort of weird um, to be around that. But it, but in a way, that actually did slightly open the door uh, to getting Clyde also because we realized that our our window now of where we thought we could start this process kind of immediately got pushed back a little bit. So we had a little more time here. And then, as I said before, the tour got delayed. So we had a little more time. Um, so anyway, so we're, we're going through that. Actually, if any of you guys have any insight 
on that. Or if any of you, if any of you gals have a really great egg, really great genes and a great egg, we'd be happy to talk. Or if you're a surrogate, actually, I guess we would talk to you too. Uh, we've been going through all the all the websites and trying to find you know the right matches. And you know, you want to. Everyone's got got different things. Um, you know, I'm not. We've sort of come around. We're not super interested in like, oh, this girl has to have an Ivy League education and all that kind of stuff. Like, we're mostly interested in in somebody that is that is healthy and you know, hopefully, uh, you know, a little athletic and and. You know, a little, you know, kind of bright and has good genes, but like I don't need like you know all the crazy stuff that people ask for, and it doesn't have to be a freaking swimsuit, Sports Illustrated model or anything like that. Um, so yeah, I haven't talked about that publicly before. So there you go, guys. Uh, but for real, if you're if you've got some eggs and you've done it before, let, let's talk. And uh, and if you're a surrogate or whatever else, Clyde, could you could you not knock over the cameras? Um, yeah, so that's that. So uh, but everything else truly, our our business is fine right now. We got this guy around here, and and I hope that in the midst of all this, that I'm offering you guys a little bit of uh, a little bit of sanity and the madness. And I'm going to keep doing it, and and in the meantime, and I truly, truly mean this, guys. If you are struggling in any way, uh, if you lost your job, if you're having trouble paying the rent, um, you need food delivered to your house, whatever it might be. If there's any way that I can help you, help amplify your message or anything like that. Um, just send an email to uh, contact at rubenreport.com and we'll see if we can help you. As I said this morning, I, I tweeted out a thing about helping people get some jobs and, and somebody linked me to a, a grocery chain. Clyde, Clyde. <laughs> Easy. Uh, somebody linked me to a uh, to a, a grocery chain in Jersey that's that's mobbed right now and they're hiring. And it's like, let's, let's see if we can help each other right now. I, I really do think we can. So I'll give you Clyde one more time. All right, dude, you want to take a walk? Is it still raining outside? Look at that scar. He's lived. He's lived a good life. Um, anyway, so as always, thanks for watching, guys. Uh, we're in some weird times. I'm going to try to do some more live streams like this. We're going to do some with uh, Skype video calls. As I said, that was our intention today is just to talk to you guys. Like, I don't want to talk to just experts right now and celebrities and whatever else. I, I really do want to talk to you guys. And uh, we just had some technical stuff today. But we'll do more of that. And uh, and I'll continue to just try to be a, a, a voice of, you know, decency in all the craziness. And uh, and thank you guys. And I haven't had breakfast yet, so I'm going to go do that. And uh, stay safe, everybody. Just, you know, six feet away from people. And uh, hope you're with somebody you love and walk your dogs and feed your fish and whatever else you do. All right. Thanks.